Uncle Owen! It's R2 unit has a bad motivator, look! Having trouble with your drug? Your drug? These two droids. Both are hard working and will serve you well. Droid. 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 We serve their kind here. This is We Serve Droids, your favorite monthly Star Wars podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Chris. And we're going to talk about the second half of Attack of the Clones today. But first, we have some friends on the phone from Chicago. Who could it be, Scott? I wonder. (laughs) We've got the hosts of the podcast, Force Toast, a Star Wars happy hour. So, Chris, the effort might kill us, but what do you say we force project (laughs) over there? (laughs) Sounds good, Scott. Commander Skywalker, do you copy This is Rogue Two. This is Rogue Two. Well, we're very happy to have with us today Laura and Alice from the Force Toast podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. We're happy to be here. Of course. Could you tell us a little bit about your show? Sure. So, uh, Laura, why don't you go first? Sure. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll take the reins on our show. Uh, the full name of our show is Force Toast, a Star Wars happy hour. And the general concept is that we drink wine and talk about Star Wars and, you know, whatever is usually in the news or whatever, you know, films, TV shows, any new novels that have come out. And the other part of it is that uh, we quiz each other in Star Wars trivia every episode. Trivia has been very much a part of um, sort of what brought me and Alice together, and that's sort of part of our whole story. So we wanted to make sure we included that. And um, yeah, it gets sort of silly and messy and sloppy every now and then, and it's just, it's fun. And we're a brand new show. We just released episode 13 today, July 2nd. Um, by the time I think this comes out, we'll have 15 episodes out and then a couple little bonuses and mini episodes here and there. But yeah, yeah. Alice, uh, do you want to talk about you? Sure. Um, <laughs> I never know where to start. Um, basically, I'm from Louisiana. I've been up in Chicago on and off for the past decade plus. I first got into Star Wars watching the Ewok movies in the late 80s. So there's that. Um, but I didn't start like really, really getting into it. I've always, you know, been a fan. I went to the midnight movies and I'm always at the premieres, but, um, I guess about two and a half years ago, I just started, I just got like obsessive about it. Um, it was helping me with work stress and, uh, yeah, I started reading everything. I hadn't really listened to podcasts much before and, you know, I got into the books and all sorts of stuff. And then that led me to bar trivia, which like Laura said, is how we met. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned how, you know, your podcast is the Star Wars hop- Happy Hour. Uh, I guess Hoppy Hour could also work if you're drinking beer. Sure. And, uh, you know, Chris and I, we we make a sort of themed cocktail for every one of our shows. Uh, so maybe this is like a fun part of the Venn diagram. If you could drink at any bar in Star Wars... Which bar would you go to? I'm heading to Dryden Voss's yacht. 
um, because that bar looked awesome and everyone's dressed all fancy, like back in the day, casino style, you know, just a little glamour, a lot of intrigue. I love that answer. I didn't even think about Solo. That's so great. Wouldn't that uh, lady with the half head totally freak you out, though? I feel like I would always be looking over my shoulder, afraid that she was going to be right behind me. Well, if she was right behind you, she wouldn't be staring at you. So there's that. (laughs) I think I'd be fine. I'd be fine. And then I could wear that Kira dress that I desperately want. So I can be her twinsie. That's awesome. Um, I would definitely go to Canto Bite. Um, that casino looked like so much fucking fun. And there are spas there. And there are, like, actual yachts on the water and fancy black tie shit. So I, I was I was all about every piece of, like, the aesthetic at Canto Bite. Um, that, that's probably where I would end up. How about you, Chris? Mm, I'm going to go boring. Got to go with the old Moss Lassley Cantina, I think. Despite its uh, racist proprietor. <laughs> <laughs> I like a good dive bar every now and then. I'm feeling that. I'm, I'm drinking beer tonight, so I, I, I feel it. You could finally figure out what that like Rube Goldberg espresso machine behind the bartender <laughs> exactly. is for. <laughs> it's just an elaborate game of mousetrap. <laughs> Scott, where, where would you drink? Um, That's a great question. I'm thinking... I don't see it, but I imagine there's a little fancy schmancy mini bar outside that super weird water ballet that Palpatine <laughs> and Anakin go to. Oh my gosh, yes. Nice. Like the symphony has. Yeah, I think that there's probably like a drink where it like squirts from that big water sphere just <laughs> right into your <laughs> That's what I want. Oh, God. <laughs> like... Like popping a pimple into a drink cup. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> All right, you've maybe changed my answer. <laughs> You're welcome. You mentioned that uh, trivia was a big part of your show, and Chris and I were hoping to test your trivia chaps now with some, you know, extra difficult, well researched questions that we had come up with. We did not, uh, we didn't prepare any for you guys, so you're, uh, this is a one-way road here, sorry. That's exactly how we like it. Uh, <laughs> little expectations on us. So maybe I'll, I'll start us off, Chris, and then you go, and we can alternate that way. Sounds good. Sock it. Sock it to us. Ask me the questions, Bridgekeeper. I'm not afraid. So, in Return of the Jedi... C-3PO and R2-D2 are famously taken to the droid torture chamber. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What is the safe word that causes the torture bot to stop torturing you? <laughs> Fart knocker. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Beavis and butthead, anyone? Yeah. He said, we need to get more balls. (laughs) Oh, yeah. God, that's a throwback. I haven't heard that in forever. Um, I'll I'll stay on the theme and go Cornholio. (laughs) (laughs) TP for my bunghole? I think that's probably right. When? Yeah, write it in the databank. It's canon now. Edit the shit out of that. Hell yeah. So what would you say the middle button on uh, Vader's chess piece does? Hmm... 
Oh, that's a really tough one. The middle button. I think it's mm. waste evacuation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want it to do like, you know, in cartoons when someone just sprays oil out <laughs> so then like people will slip on it. It does that. Like a speed racer thing? Yeah. Or like Mario Kart. You know, it's like oil or banana peels. I think y'all gave the same answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. Except I was when Laura said it, I was thinking of poop. Yeah, I was. That was my joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was trying to make a Vader must have really gross poops joke. <laughs> okay. See, I was thinking something would shoot out the front though, like out of the chest. So it kind of doesn't really work. Ew. Like, could you imagine if a banana peel just goes poop? <laughs> like, just burst out of your chest like an alien? Like, gross. <laughs> In Empire Strikes Back. We see Lando texting Lobot on his Casio watch. After how many minutes of inactivity does Lobot fall asleep? 72. Why 72? Because that's the right answer, duh. Got it, got it. I mean, I was going to go, I was going to go like maybe five. I, I would immediately go to sleep if he didn't, if I didn't, I don't know, if he didn't need anything. Five minutes, that's about all it takes for me. I think 72 is correct. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so, which means you have to answer the bonus question. What exactly does Lando text Lobot? Wake up, you silly bitch. We got shit to do. Dick pics. <laughs> <laughs> you know that Lando has sent a dick pic in his time, let's be honest. Yeah. The correct answer was you up, question mark. Um, <laughs> What's the stupid emoji? The uh, what's the penis emoji? The eggplant. The egg, the eggplant. <laughs> I was gonna say grapefruit. <laughs> that would be really weird. <laughs> it's you up question mark grapefruit emoji grapefruit emoji question mark. Different strokes for different folks, man. Who knows? <laughs> it's awesome. Nicely done. In the words of L three, it works. <laughs> In The Last Jedi, we see uh, Chewie chomping down on some porg at one point in time. What do you think porgs taste like? It looked so much like fried chicken. I don't know. I bet they're delicious. I just want to say rubbery penguin. I don't know what penguin tastes like, but I feel Ooh. like maybe. Penguin seems like the kind of thing they would serve at like the state fair. <laughs> yeah. There's like a vendor that has it and you know that, I, on a stick. I always get suckered into that, eating like ostrich, and I'm thinking, I bet I just got ripped <laughs> off. This is not ostrich I'm eating. I bet you can make like really good like foie gras from pork. Like I bet I bet there's a lot mm. to it. They're so tiny. Maybe they're like, what are those little things? Like pea hens or quails? That's the quail call. Gotcha. Yeah, I bet they'd be like a more of a delicacy, maybe like a quail. I could see a little gamey like a quail. Do porks lay eggs? Yeah, because remember they were in the nests in uh, the Last Jedi. Yes, yes. Chris and I are pretty convinced that everything on Star Wars lays eggs. <laughs> Ewoks <laughs> lay eggs. Uh, Admiral Akbar <laughs> lays eggs. <laughs> Uh, Poe Dameron lays <laughs> eggs. It's We Serve Joy's canon that all creatures in Star Wars are egg layers. Maybe that's what the middle button on Vader's thing does. <laughs> <laughs> Just pops out an egg. 
And the egg is shaped like a little meditation chamber, and it hatches <laughs> yeah. into a little mini Vader. <laughs> yeah, it's like this Russian nesting doll. A Vader. <laughs> a Vader Matryoshka doll. You're going to generate so many new fan theories about where Ray came from. <laughs> I've pushed every button on Vader's chest, Charlie, except for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. Question number five. Uh, it's going uh, back to Empire Strikes Back. So, how many Gundark ears has Han Solo actually pulled off? None. Mm. Mm. Yeah, he strikes me as, uh, I bet he's he's all talk. Let's go none. Yeah. I like that. I think that's right. Yes! What a poser. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, like, Luke even knows, like, what a Gundark is? Probably not. The only time I've ever been able to picture them well is in that book, uh, Lords of the Sith, because all they do for half the book is like fight off Gundarks. Those things are nasty, man. They're like vicious, and Palpatine and Vader together had a hard time fighting off a horde. So I'm pretty sure that Han has never gotten his hands on them and that Luke probably hasn't dealt with them that much, if at all. I want to say that they have them in the Clone Wars. Don't we see one in that in somewhere in the TV show? In the Clone Wars, maybe, but Han and Luke, I don't, I don't know about them. What was the book you said that you pictured them in? Uh, Lords of the Sith. I only ever pictured them in the book Lord of the Flies <laughs> when they killed that one gun dark, the Asmar. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, I remember that part. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> we can keep going trivia or we can stop it here. Oh, keep going. Just speed round. Let's do it. All right. Uh, we're back to The Last Jedi here. Uh, what do you think is the average life expe- expectancy of a resistance bomber crew? <laughs> Before or after they start the bombing <laughs> run? We'll accept either answer. <laughs> um, let's see. I think they make it about maybe... Two hours on average <laughs> of flight time. Yeah. A- after the bombing run starts, yeah. I-, I would guess, like, no older than 30. I mean, all those people in the last day looked pretty young, which is uh, a little rough. They gone. Other than lightsabers, what is in General Grievous's collection? Pocket watches. Hmm. He's a sophisticated collector, you think? He's like Mr. Monopoly. A monocle. <laughs> Maybe coins. A top hat. Do you think he keeps them all in his in his cloak and he's like one of those guys that tries to sell you things? Hmm. <laughs> you want these Ray-Bans? They're really on sale. <laughs> Oakley's. They've got like rainbow colored lenses. That's where he just keeps all of his eggs. <laughs> <laughs> it's gross (laughs) Chris we're on lightning round you're like uh, moving at resistance bomber speed Um, I'm stuck on the last Jedi apparently Uh, where do you think Snoke buys his bathrobes Mm. wherever Trump gets his toilets (laughs) (laughs) solid gold They go shopping together. (laughs) I like it. Concur. 
Um, which of the Hunger Games districts does Vice Admiral Holdo get her hair done at? The Capitol. Let's be honest. Mm. You know it ain't District 12. Shit, with all that color, I'm going to go Capitol. <laughs> She like just walked right off the set of that movie. I swear to God, she was just like she like <laughs> left and happened upon a Star Wars movie and was just like, "Oh, I'm here now." Okay. And then they handed her a makeup wipe. Yeah, that was that was Chris's theory too. Yeah, I never even thought about that. That's kind of funny. All right, and finally, what meal does Obi Wan usually get with his Jawa juice at Rex's diner? <laughs> I might know like. A sort of canon answer for this. Oh, absolutely. Apparently, the like specialty at Dex's Diner is sliders. I don't know what the meat is, um, and that may have come from the visual dictionary that's like not officially canon anymore. But I read somewhere that like sliders is the like go to thing to get at Dex's. Oh, that's interesting. I was gonna say like a double whopper large combo meal. <laughs> He's in, he's so fit though. I bet he, he. I feel like he'd walk in and be like, "I want a smoothie, extra protein, hold the eggs." <laughs> All you have to do is count calories. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's so nineties. All that lightsaber fighting, man. If it's uh, y'all went both went burger direction. I feel like he's got to call them like Bantha Burgers or something dumb like that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> God, that actually sounds really good. <laughs> yeah, I'd I'd eat that. So uh, yeah, I think that uh. Thanks for playing our, our totally serious and obviously well-researched <laughs> trivia game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Team Jedi mind checks for the win. <laughs> Strike again. <laughs> do y'all, when you compete at Star Wars Trivia, do you you have a consistent team name or do you switch it up? It's consistent. Yeah, we've, we've been Team Jedi mind checks for the last, at least the last five or six, I think. Oh, I have horrible hearing. Now I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the one of the names you initially floated, I think, for your podcast, I had never heard before. I think I might steal it for a trivia name. I think it was a. Uh, have you ever heard the tragedy of Darth Plagueis's wine? Yeah, but then uh, keep yeah. in mind you have to write that out on your like answer sheet every time. Uh, worth it, worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could like make little labels ahead of time and just like stick them on there. <laughs> oh, we should do that. Yeah, we do- that could be we cool. actually totally should do that. It would look so official. We'd turn in our answer sheet. They'd be like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> we should also bring a stapler and like staple like cards, you know, for the podcast. Just yep. like on every paper, I like it. bring some paper clips, <laughs> stickers. What can it be like? We're sponsoring this event, and they'll be like, "Cool, are you giving us money?" And we'll be like, "No." <laughs> So, well, if trivia is something that you two do, I would say the thing that Chris and I do is make terrible jokes. Got it. We make our fair share of terrible jokes. Uh, I'll I'll say that. But yeah, I I very much enjoyed all of yours from your uh, your Attack of the Clones episode recently. <laughs> I uh, I don't know how much Alice would appreciate them because that's her favorite movie. But Ugh. I think we tried to voice the things we really love about that movie. I mean, we wouldn't spend, you know, two hours, like, (laughs) you know, making fun of things if we didn't really love it. True, true, true. So, uh, yeah, so in bad joke fashion, uh, the next game we're going to play is something that, uh, you know, we watched uh, Growing... At least I watched Growing Pains as a kid. Our our next game is called Groaning Pains. 
<laughs> the goal is to see which of us can produce the best groan-inducing pun. We have different categories. And so, for instance, if the category was soda, you would have to come up with Star Wars soda-related drinks like the Phantom Menace or Mountain Dewback, Got Cherry it. Snoke, or my personal favorite, Force Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> that one's so good. <laughs> That's not terrible. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> So the uh, first category is Beatles songs. Alrighty. Yeah, mine are unawesomely terrible. Um, <laughs> I picked All You Need Is Black Glove. <laughs> What's Black Glove? <laughs> like, everyone wears, like, Luke has a black glove. Vader, obviously, when they get their arms chopped off, uh, they all whisper black yeah, gloves. Yeah, got it. I thought if there okay. was, like, I don't know if there, I thought there was, like, someone's, that was someone's name or something, and I was like, who's that? <laughs> Where'd you pull that from the databank? Uh, I've got an I've got an all you need is love one. Mine's all you need is Lamu, which is terrible. Uh, but that's I'm gonna be even more terrible at this, I think, than you guys. So I take my hat off to you. <laughs> Chris, what do you have? Uh, this is my favorite one, and I'm very ashamed of it. Uh, it's uh, General Veers' Lonely Hoths Club Band. <laughs> 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 oh, that's a winner. That's beautiful. I uh I mean I hate following that. I almost went with uh a very cheap Here Come the Suns, uh, but instead went with I wanna hold your severed hand. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Here Comes Black Sun, but that's more of a it's a more of a vague reference. My favorite one that I came up with is uh Enfys Nesterday. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I think that's the second best one. And that is where I should bow out completely because that's the best thing I came up with for the rest of this game. <laughs> I think we should uh, vote on like the best one after each time, and I'm voting for General Fears. Yeah, I'm going to go with that too. Ditto. I I've peaked early. That's easily the best one I made for this whole thing. <laughs> Congratulations. I like it. Yay. All right. Uh, so what about a Star Wars snack food? Ugh, I sucked at this one, too, because all the snack foods I like, they're just one word, like pizza or nachos or cheese. But I landed on Wookiee cake because I ate a cookie cake last weekend. Oh. It's not great. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah. it's it's horrible, <laughs> but we had parallel thinking because mine's Wookiee pie. <laughs> my, one of my friends always makes Wookiee pies whenever we uh, we have, like, baked baking things and hers are so good so yeah wookie pie there you go those both suck we lose <laughs> where specifically is the weirdest place that you personally girls have ever gotten the urge to make wookie i'm not sure much of a snack this is but mine was a boba fettuccine <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good uh i went with uh i don't know how familiar people are with the actual snack food but i went with pork rinds Nice. <laughs> that's good i've never had them i don't know i have maybe that's what porgs taste like i'm gonna go with boba fettuccine though on this one yeah. i don't know how much of a snack food it is but i i think it's still probably the best anything's a snack food <laughs> seems like a cheat but i'm willing to give it to him 
Oh, uh, can I can right. I come in with the last one that I just thought of? Yes. Oh yeah. Figuring Dawn and the muddle sodas, <laughs> which is also awful. <laughs> oh my gosh! See, the thing with Laura and I is we spend like forever thinking of really bad ideas before we get to the best idea. So we'd probably have to write down like 30 things to actually land on something that is amusing. If you guys wanted to play this game for like three hours, like we could, we could be good at it. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's about our normal, like uh, the unedited yeah. <laughs> runtime of our podcasts. <laughs> I like it. So uh, how about a romance movie? <laughs> Sleepless and Sereno. <laughs> I like it. Um, I'm going to go with uh, one that I just stole from the internet, which is looking for love in Alderaan places. Uh, mine was uh, Death Star is Born. Oh, <laughs> Mine's, uh, you know, that favorite movie where where it turns out the supreme leader is narrating the story of his, his own life to his, his wife. And that's the Snoke book. <laughs> you know, my original answer was just going to be Attack of the Clones, but I decided to get creative. Nice. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm happy with all of them in that category. I mean, I'm willing to declare it a four-way tie. Because they were all awful? <laughs> They're all on the same level. <laughs> All right, uh, so that's romance movie. What about a uh, horror movie? Fat Cemetery. Mm. Oh, nice, nice. I, I, um, I'm bailing out on this one. I didn't come up with anything. Uh, mine's not that great. Uh, Silence of the Porgs. Nice. <laughs> I have Invasion of Low Body Snatchers. <laughs> <laughs> that's mm. awesome. Oh, that's a tough one. That's amazing. Laura wins. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and our last one is television show. Ah, oh, this was my favorite. I think this is this is the best that I have to offer. Vanderpelt's rules. <laughs> nice. I got nothing on that either. Uh, mine was uh, going going retro here. Uh, BB-8 is enough. <laughs> <laughs> so I. Uh, you know, I had to brainstorm a few few before I got to where I wanted to go. My first thought was Veronica Lars. <laughs> then I went to uh, Fet Hot American Summer. Nice. <laughs> but where I landed was um, Sex Wing in the City. Because <laughs> I figure Biggs is a Carrie, Wedge is a Charlotte, and Luke's the Miranda. Hell Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. I like Fet Hot American Summer. <laughs> <laughs> Before we let you go, we have a sort of running bit on our show where every time we review something or talk about something, we pick uh, the most conspicuous character within whatever we watched. We're going to try to send you a picture of, of our favorite character via Skype if we can. I don't know if you can pull up the picture we've sent. Yep. Make it large. <laughs> so there's a rather conspicuous gentleman next to the right of the open door wearing a fur coat. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. And some awesome sunglasses. Yes. 
so this fur-coated man is our favorite character in The Force Awakens. Maybe our favorite character in Star Wars. Maybe our favorite person in the universe. <laughs> and so we had to, you know, create an award in honor of, of his fur coat. And we call it the fur jacket. Uh, that's a, awarded to the most conspicuous character. And we were wondering if, if each of you had... You know, someone in Star Wars that you always kind of laugh when you see or just kind of makes you chuckle for being kind of sticking out in a funny way. I think my favorites are, they're ones that were brought to our attention fairly recently. The Tonica sisters are pretty amusing. (laughs) How do I spell that? (laughs) T-O-N-N-I-K-A. They're pretty funny. (laughs) They're very like Wonder Twins esque. What's funny about them? Like where where were they featured or where did we see them in the in the movies? So they're hanging out at the at the the Masaza Cantina, is that right? Yeah. Got it. I just think they look funny individually in their little <laughs> screen test pictures. So what I've pulled up and I hope that our listeners are Googling Tonica sisters, it's these two women and if you felt like the fifties had like beehive hairstyles <laughs> then you are wrong because there is just a mountain of braided hair into a sort of almost cap, almost, almost as long as the, the phallic hat guy that follows the emperor around in return of the Jedi. It's almost like one of those funny hat guys. Nice. Do you think they um, know each other or just like happen to show up at the bar together? Well, technically they're somehow twins. <laughs> It must not be identical. Must be fraternal. <laughs> Especially that height difference. <laughs> One's like a whole head higher. Yeah. But their outfits are pretty special. They have a story in a certain point of view, but I don't know if they like explain any of that or not. I don't it was not memorable. I read it and I was like bored, but yeah, good times. If the story's not them going to get these haircuts, I don't want to read it. <laughs> not interested. I totally get it. <laughs> It's like Khaleesi's hair braider was trying to get her bearings and came out with this. But I rarely have anyone ever jump out at me. It's mostly like I happen to Google or come across something weird and then I feel like I need to know the name of it and then I figure out where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Laura, what do you have? Um, I'm like torn between two because I like... When we went to Celebration this year, I saw the running of the hoods for the first time. And I always, like, noticed that scene in The Empire Strikes Back where the guy dressed in the jumpsuit carrying an ice cream machine runs by um, on Cloud (laughs) City and always thought it was really funny. But I never knew that he had, like, a name and that he was, like, an internet meme, basically, until we were at Celebration and I saw the running of the hoods on video and that Alice got to see it in person. It was amazing. But yeah, that one, uh, that one always struck me as really funny. Um, but that's an easy answer. I think like one of the weird things that always like kind of catches that always kind of catches me by surprise is in return of the Jedi. When Matt, when the rancor dies and Malachili is like really sad and he's like crying, the rancor kind of has like this really sad moment where it dies and it makes a sound like a dog. And it just like always is the weirdest thing ever. But that little moment where he's like crying in someone's arms after the rancor dies always like just kind of kills me. He's a he's a gentle giant and I love that. Oh, yeah. He's like sobbing. Yeah. Poor thing. He's like so sad. It was like his puppy. Oh, he's got to be consoled. 
Mm-hmm. We are huge fans of the Rancor Keeper on this show. Yes, he's a nice. he's a good one. I enjoy him. I want to go back to something you said. So there are lots of people dressed up like the guy who holds the ice cream maker in Cloud City. Yeah. And they run a la bulls in Spain. Yes. Yeah. Carrying ice cream yeah. machines. But I think my favorite one is someone was actually dressed up like one of the ice cream makers, <laughs> which they they released the official um, they released the official word for it um, last week, I think. And uh, anyway, someone's dressed up like one of the ice cream makers, and they had like a little like American girl doll with them that was dressed in the orange or dressed, dressed in whatever as, the outfit as was. Hood, yeah, yeah, so funny. And which of you like saw this in person? Alice did. Me. Yeah. Were you were you injured, Alice? <laughs> no, I had no idea what was going on because. Well, I'm glad you weren't, you know, accidentally turned into ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess uh, maybe just one kind of last final thing before we let you go is, you know, Chris and I are going to be talking about the second half of Attack of the Clones. Uh, so, what's like, you know, uh, what's your favorite parts of or you know, thoughts about Attack of the Clones, favorite parts of Attack of the Clones. Leave us with an easy transition. <laughs> an easy transition. The whole battle of Geonosis is awesome. When they start playing that song that has Across the Stars, I think it's called Love Pledge in the Arena. When they start playing that and the little chariot thing goes out to the arena and you see like how big it is and everyone cheering and then you got a shit ton of Jedi and a shit ton of lightsabers and everyone's running around and then you think they're goners and then Yoda shows up and then you go into the Dooku fight. That whole last like 30, 40 minutes or whatever is just awesome. Action packed. Too much sand, but pretty cool. (laughs) Ha. Um, I really enjoy the scene when Obi-Wan is in um, one of the starfighters and he's like trying to escape from Jango and Boba Fett in the uh, in the Slave One and they're sort of flying through an asteroid field and the like seismic charges go off mm-hmm. or whatever and that like sound yes. that they make is just so fucking weird and cool and yeah whatever that sound effect is that they used for that that's like my favorite part of the movie is just i could just sit and watch that scene over and over again listening to those weird boom chime things <laughs> it's so <laughs> weird and random but i just love it every time i hear it i'm always just like god that's so cool like the sound design in this movie is like just cool it's just on point so, can you tell our listeners where to find your stuff? Sure. Everywhere. Yeah, we're everywhere. So, again, the full name of our show is Force Toast, a Star Wars happy hour. Um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Force Toast Pod. Alice is Slaya all day, and I am Shut Up underscore Laura. And our show's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, Overcast, Spotify. And just recently, we were added to Radio Public and iHeartRadio. Um, and we also just launched our website finally. We were, you know, we've done 13 episodes, but we uh, managed to get our website up and running just yesterday. And that is uh, forcedtoastpod.com. So you can check that out, find all the places to listen to our show, find some stuff about us and how we met and all that good shit. So yeah, thanks for having us, guys. Thanks so much for coming on. It's been a blast. Yeah, thank you. Look, sir. What have we here? 
Meanwhile, back on Camino, I think uh, <laughs> think old uh, Django fits in for some excitement here, Scott. Yeah, so uh, we're gonna head back there for the the second half of of Attack of the Clones, and I just want to you know, to our listeners, if you didn't listen to the first half episode, that's no big deal. It's not like uh, we ever said anything smart enough that it needed to carry over another episode. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I bother, you know, making these two-parters. No one really needs to, to listen to the first one anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're picking up where we left off last time, and that's, like you said, on, on El Camino with this great fight between Obi-Wan and Jango. Yeah, I feel like, once again, we're getting all the uh, all the action out of uh, that we wanted from Boba Fett and the uh, <laughs> and, uh, Empire and Jedi now. Some nice jetpack action. Mm, yeah. They sort of make, doesn't Jango's jetpack sort of get launched into the air? So he gets sort of handicapped. Uh, he takes off, you know, like, like fairly quickly as you know, one would do if you had a jetpack and a guy's running at you with a laser sword. And then he does, he does the thing that I think maybe we we're always heard or were told about with, you know, like Boba Fett action figures back in the day. Like the, the sort of the center part of his jetpack is like a missile. Oh yeah. The rocket launcher. Yeah, it can only be spring-loaded. Yes. <laughs> and I think old Boba takes some shots at him. And then uh, Obi-Wan does like this, like, flying, <laughs> like, flying, uh, like, crouching tiger kick. Like, gets him, <laughs> like, right in midair, I think. I kind of remember Obi-Wan loses his lightsaber pretty quick. Yeah. Which is a fun kind of, you know, he was criticizing Anakin for that in the first half of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Django does eventually lose the, the jetpack, right? Yeah, I think he uh, Obi Wan does the old force pull for it, and then of course, right before it hits, he get. I think Django takes off and like shoots him with a wire and drags him around for a little bit, and then uh, I think Obi Wan like pulls Todd around like a column or something, and Django just like the jetpack goes like splat, like immediately just pops off his back when he crashes down and explodes in a fireball. Yeah, so I like that how we get like you know both of them kind of lose their their super weapons mm-hmm. for the second half of the fight. I think we mentioned this in our top ten villains episode. How this is a kind of unique sort of beat 'em up scene for a Star Wars movie. It definitely feels like the action scene from like uh, you know one of the older you know '90s Batman movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't get a lot of um, this kind of physicality, really. Yeah, it's it's rare to get like the fisticuffs mm-hmm. in Star Wars, and I quite like it. Yeah, I feel like it's well done. It's 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 not it doesn't feel very forced in the way they lose their you know aforementioned lightsabers and jetpacks and blasters and stuff like that. Like it's a very, I guess a very tight, well choreographed fight in my opinion. I think it might involve the best camera work in the movie. I just I really like this this scene. Hmm. And. I think it pays off, you know, El Camino being, like, the rain planet. Like, it yes. makes this fight a lot more fun, given that, you know, Django is, like, made of shiny plastic, and all the surfaces are squeaky metal, and mm-hmm. it's just a lot of fun seeing them kind of slip around everywhere. And, of course, we get, uh, you know, more strange catwalks in Star Wars. Because <laughs> uh, Obi-Wan gets, like, launched down onto a catwalk down below yeah. the landing bay. 
I always liked um, after like Django looks over the side to see if Obi Wan has met his demise and doesn't see anything. When he kind of like leans back over, he, the, I was kind of he, he seems like he's like just like almost like oh thank God kind of like relieved and then just begins his like slow little crawl like back up the the slick surface like up to the top. So speaking of this uh, stormy weather on El Camino, Chris, I was curious <laughs> what you're drinking tonight. Medium dry martini, lemon peel, shaken, not stirred. 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 Three measures of Gordon's, one of vodka, half a measure of Kina Lily. Shake it over rice and then have a thin slice of lemon peel. Yes, sir. Well, Scott, uh, we've got our uh, our little take here on uh, a dark and stormy. So, of course, it's naturally going to be called a dark side and stormy. <laughs> So a dark and stormy is normally, I think, uh, usually some some dark rum mixed with uh, usually ginger beer and usually with like a either like a twisted lime or a lime wedge. In proper we serve droids fashion, we substituted the uh, ginger beer for Buffalo Rock ginger ale. Still waiting on that sponsorship, guys. And uh, <laughs> just to give it that little extra dark side kick, um, we added uh, some uh, some whiskey or, or bourbon. I personally went for some bourbon here, Scott. How about you? Yeah, what 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 kind of bourbon did you throw in? I used a. Uh, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation. I think it's pronounced Michter's. Yeah, I went with the uh, Wild Turkey 101. Mm, that's a good one. Kind of like that higher proof when I have a lot of ice in it. Yeah, that's a good call. I made mine probably a little on the stronger side. So kind of the ratios for this one, I uh, took about a, a jigger of dark rum, jigger of whiskey um, into a highball glass, fill it with ice. And then just, um, you know, top it off with uh, the ginger ale. And I did about a, like a lime wedge's worth of juice in there and uh, garnished it with another lime wedge. Is your jigger one ounce or one and a half ounces just for the posterity's sake for the website? Uh, mine, Mine's one and a half. But Oh, man. Uh, so you're drinking like twice the dark side and stormy that I have in front of me. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's, I like to make it. And then I've, as the ice melts, it, it kind of... Um, like in the sort of the bell curve for like this drink, it kind of, as you know, as the ice melts, it kind of, you know, it gets lower. This one kind of starts low and then peaks and then kind of, uh, kind of tapers off there as the ice melts. So I feel like it's got some, some more, uh, longevity to it. Maybe that's, that, that's my rationale anyway, for just adding more alcohol to the drink. <laughs> <laughs> just for, um, experimental sa- sake, uh, Chris, when I made mine, I tried, Adding the dark rum on top is sort of like a float. Mm, yeah, good idea. How'd that turn out? I can send you a picture. I can text you a picture if you want to see. Yeah, sure. Oh, nice. I like the coloring. Yeah, I really like that. Kind of fun way to serve it there. So another another worthy addition to the, the We Serve Droids <laughs> bar guide, which of course you can find at weservedroids.com. The book will be coming out eventually. page turners they were not so chris we jump from this Django obi-wan fight uh back to tatooine yep everyone's favorite desert planet and annie and padme have rented a rickshaw yeah that doesn't have room for r2 yeah a droid rickshaw no less yeah i thought it'd be funny to see like a like the odd jawa and look like a rickshaw or something like that oh like a jawa pulling it yeah instead of the uh Whatever droid that is. I thought it would have been great if Watto didn't look more like a sort of bad Jewish stereotype. 
you thought we were done with episode one, but we weren't. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. There's a lot going on in this scene, Chris. <laughs> so, this is where Anakin and Padme have tracked down Watto to try to figure out where uh, Shmi Skywalker is, Annie's mom, Shmi. Your face is on, girl! Here comes Shmi! And Watto divulges that he's sold Shmi to the Lars family. And I guess the Lars family are slavers, Chris. Yeah, that the that whole point gets kind of glossed over. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this really, is not a good look. He freed her. I'm not apparently, <laughs> but I'm not sure if that was his original intent. You know, when you're buying people. Well, I'll get to the freeing. Okay, because I actually think that's more problematic. Yeah, but, yeah. I just think it's quite a revelation that the whole moisture farm in Episode Four was built on slave labor. I know. <laughs> like, do we need uh, to like change the name of the Lars Homestead to the to the Lars Plantation, or, <laughs> or, or what were you? Thinking? Sorry, I was going for like the uh, rename the the building on campus that was endowed by like a slave owner. Oh, kinda. I got you. That's the route I was going, but I think that. Your take is probably just as good. <laughs> or horrible. <laughs> right. Yeah, the whole, like, slavery bit on, on Tatooine is just kind of weird. I guess it's the underlie that this is, you know, not your, uh, you know, this is your, you're definitely your sort of outer world kind of, everything's kind of legal planet, something like that. Sure. But I feel like this whole marrying your slave part also Warrants like a very big yikes for me. Yeah. I like the weird thing is I feel like it's in the movie to try to make Mr. Lars Master Lars look <laughs> like virtuous in some way, but yeah. no. Like yeah. I just don't know how consensual anything about this relationship could possibly have been. Uh that brings up some interesting points. Do you think she was abducted by sand people or do you think she made a break for it? Oh God! Because <laughs> I mean, we're only we're only kind of getting this information. It turns out the uh, my uh, my slave's child is a Jedi, and he showed up looking for. Her. Better make up some story about <laughs> about how nice I was. Right, right. Yeesh. Yeah. We'll check back in with the uh, <laughs> the Lars Plantation later. Because uh, I guess we got to cut back to the space battle between Jango Fett and Obi-Wan. Highlight of this movie for me. Yeah, I know that uh, Laura had mentioned that it was her favorite part of this movie. And I think it's it's among all of our favorites, right? Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. I Like I was mentioned before, like, yeah, this, this the whole sounds from those seismic charges are just like I, I can still hear it. We've talked before about the the sound in this movie, but yeah, it's just bears repeating. Yeah, I love those depth charges mm-hmm. that his ship launches that you're talking about the sound. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that they're in those like kind of rocky like rings around the planet, mm-hmm. and I love the sort of torpedoes he launches later. It's full of like a lot of submarine tropes. Yeah, exactly. In just this short few minute long scene. 
And it makes me think, like, how much I would just love a submarine Star Wars movie. Hmm. Like, you know how, like, Wrath of Khan is sort of like a submarine movie yeah, in space? exactly. I would love something like that in the Star Wars universe. Oh, that'd be good. That'd be a nice uh, Star Wars story kind of take. Just remember, Scott, there's always a bigger fish. <laughs> Maybe we can do, like, a, uh, you know, like, we pitch what we would think would be fun movies sometime in an episode. Oh, I like that idea. Can repitch the the Star Wars submarine movie and kind of juice it up some. I like that. You can give us like the uh, the first five minutes or your uh, your screenplay uh, your screenplay synopsis, something like that. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> this is my pitch. Yeah, my elevator pitch. Yeah, exactly. So uh, so yeah, this scene is just absolutely great. Obi Wan is left for dead. Django goes down, but you know, damn the torpedoes. It's full speed ahead to Geonosis for Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> yeah, Obi-Wan, you know, he's, you know, he, he followed a little too closely, got made, then uh, got out of the sticky situation, hid well behind an asteroid, and then just doesn't really, uh, not really the stealthiest guy, maybe Obi-Wan. <laughs> you know, just kind of heads down to Geonosis, doesn't really <laughs> keep too much out of sight, kind of flies right over <laughs> like all, the, all the droid ships. Yeah, what are your thoughts about like Geonosis as a planet? I haven't really given it much thought. I guess it's it's interesting. the The Geonosians, I think, are uh, are very um, I guess unique unique species to Star Wars. Then they're, they're um, not I guess maybe not quite as humanoid as you know we get from a lot of other a lot of other Star Wars species. Yeah, I think they're one of the best aliens, just in terms of like the look and the sound and the feel of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess between them and the uh, El Caminoans, we get some some really nice, uh, really nice, um, you know, new species introductions in this movie. They're very Ender's Game buggers. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, they're very yeah, like uh, insect like, definitely. And I feel like their architecture is very like. I mean, it has to have been sort of inspired by like La Sagrada Familia mm-hmm. in Barcelona. I feel like it's that meets Ender's Game Hive Queen. Yeah, like more, uh, it's more like insects, kind of hivey, nesty kind of thing, kind of feel to mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and then we'll get to the we'll get to this in a bit, but yeah, and the the whole the the stadium too, just kind of I guess personifies that. So yeah, so we just get a little bit of taste of Geonosis, and then we're back to the the <laughs> Lars homestead, right? <laughs> so what do you think they were? Uh, they were thinking when uh, this nice shiny spaceship lands and these two people come walking out. Down, 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 down. Ain't from around here, are you? Right. <laughs> R2, you, you got a pretty port. <laughs> so here's a question. Um, mm-hmm. What do you, uh, do you think 3PO was, was a package deal <laughs> when he, uh, when old man Lars bought, Bolch me, <laughs> like he really bolched me to get three PO. Yeah, or if it was, you know, is this was he thrown into sweeten the deal here? Like, you know, was is three PO her property? Can slaves have property? You know, did he refer to Watto? Her, I don't know. Yeah, was this all just a bid to get a droid that speaks bocce? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love seeing three PO showing up. We get uh, Joel Edgerton playing 
playing Owen Lars before he was, uh, before the actor was killing Osama bin Laden in Zero Dark Thirty <laughs> or partying at night with Gatsby and Gatsby or <laughs> coming at night in It Comes at Night. <laughs> But I uh, I love his awkward, like, I guess I'm your stepbrother. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for please, the whole slavery please, thing. Please, please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. Brothers don't shake hands. Brothers gotta hug. Yeah, I'm, I'm your stepbrother slash um, partial owner. I'm really not sure here. <laughs> He's like, hey, did you ever get that thing out of your head that blows you up if <laughs> you try to escape? So uh, then we get old uh, old Master Lars himself there in his little like uh, Professor X chair. Yeah, it's you don't really see a whole lot of it, right? He's lost his legs or one leg, right? I believe so. And then he says, "Why he's not out looking for her?" He says, "I couldn't ride again until I heal." <laughs> like, oh, he's <laughs> until I heal. Yeah, like, is his leg like a lizard tail? Like, is this thing going to grow back? He's waiting for his uh, his mail-order uh, robot leg, I guess. <laughs> right. Tatooine is not within the uh, the prime two-day shipping window. It's really, you got to wait at least a week for that thing. He doesn't want to cross the uh, prime day picket line. Yeah. <laughs> He's cool with slavery, but, but that's a bridge too far for him. <laughs> So uh right, Anakin sets off on his on his speeder bike to go find go find his mom. Yeah, I love these uh familiar shots of the uh Lars homestead we get in this in these couple scenes here. You better have those units from the South Lanes repaired by midday or they'll be held today. We'll see you in hell. See you in hell. See you in hell. So now we cut back to Detective Obi Wan sleuthing around Geonosis. Yeah. Being stealthy for once, or a little bit, or at least managing to evade uh, immediate notice here. I will say, at least in terms of Obi-Wan continuity, this is exactly as like non-stealthy as he is on the Death Star. <laughs> when he's shutting down yeah. the tractor beam. Yeah, it's true. And he's just kind of like walking around, you know? Yeah, I guess with the long flowing robes and like the, the glowing laser swords and everything like that, <laughs> Je- Jedi really aren't really built for stealth missions. They don't even cut off their rat's tails when they go and hide as refugees. Yeah. And this is where we run into to Count Dooku. I always forget that it's this far into the movie before we see him in the flesh. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, well over halfway through here. You know that Obi-Wan was looking at a bust of him in the Jedi Library. Oh, really? No, I did not know that. Before the librarian comes up to him... He's sort of just staring at, like, a bust. And, I mean, you would never even think to notice it, but it's of Christopher Lee as Count Dooku. Interesting. So they they didn't remove it. He's, you know, he'd, he'd passed that donation threshold where he can do whatever he wants and they won't take his statue down. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. If his bust is still in the Jedi Library, there's no way our petition to rename the Lars Homestead is going to pass, <laughs> yeah. Chris. I bet the, um, oh... The missing information that everyone was looking for is probably uh, like like taped in like a little data disc inside the statue or something like that when it was removed. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> like those like gifts that like the Soviets would give the American ambassador that have yeah. microphones all of yeah. them. 
<laughs> when you walk past Count Dooku's statue, the eyes follow you. <laughs> Count Dooku's here on Geonosis and uh, meeting with, with some big wigs in the galaxy, right? Yeah, everyone's here. My uh, my favorite's the, uh, the Techno Union guy. Oh, the guy in the, like, uh, compression chamber? Yeah. <laughs> with, like, the uh, the little, like, dial to, like, pitch his voice on his, right. on his chest. He knows how that dial works about as well as we know how these gain dials work on our microphones. <laughs> <laughs> Which is to say he doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. Yeah, gain's good, right? You want more of that, so you turn that all the way up. I think that's how that works. I want I want maximum I want to gain the maximum amount so I just turn that all the way up. <laughs> More is always good. Exactly. These go to 11, Scott. <laughs> so would you say this conference room they're in is more Legion of Doom, more Spectre or more Doctor Strange Love War room? Mm. Mm, I mean, I don't see a big board, so that kind of <coughs> rules out strange love for me. Uh, it feels very Legion of Doom. Everyone's kind of got their own little, their own little like little shtick. Like one guy's, you know, one guy's like an evil dashing count. One guy's like a <laughs> like a like a techno guy in like a metal suit. Oh there's, yeah, the techno union guy is totally that uh, Aquaman villain. Oh yeah, Black Mana. Yeah. Yeah, he's in a like diving bell, like Black Manta. Yeah, you got like your oh, uh, like some fur guys. You got the uh, I think um, oh, uh, the head Ocean guy. I can't think of his name to save my life right now. Poggle the lesser. Thank you. Yes, like <laughs> I don't was, know why I was, know that. And it was something to something. Uh, yeah, you got Newt Gunray there, Poggle the lesser. Um, some other people I don't know. Is that banking guy here? I think so. He's the um, like the kind of pale kind of guy, looking guy. Yeah, skinny I think. guy. So Count Dooku is obviously Lex Luthor. Yeah. <laughs> like with the podium. Mm-hmm. And we know that the compression suit guy is Black Amanta. Who is the Geonosian? Hmm. Let me see here. He's either Scarecrow or that Gorilla guy. Oh, Gorilla Grodd. Um, yeah. Let's see. I'm leaning Scarecrow. I think Gorilla Grodd might be the, uh, oh, there's like a, another kind of furry looking guy. Oh, yeah, there's a furry guy. So he's, yeah. he's Gorilla Grodd. But you know, you know who the banking guy has to be? Solomon Grundy. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> they have the same complexion. Yeah. So who's Newt Gunray? Who's that guy who's wearing like a parka? Oh, I think that's Miss Captain Cold, I think. <laughs> I, was, I was just trying to think, who's the most useless member of the Legion of Doom? <laughs> I was thinking that for, for Luke Gun, Luke Gun uh, Ray. Well, then he's the toy maker. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it works. It works with the droids and everything. Yeah, I like that. Oh, uh, yeah, good call. That good call. Well. If yeah. there's a Brainiac, it's got to be someone who likes showing those legs. I don't <laughs> know who's, who's wearing that Speedo here on the council. I'm quite sure... We've lost all of our listeners at this point. Oh, yeah. If, if they're ever here to begin with, they're they're long gone. If there's one thing we can do is take a sharp left turn into non-Star Wars related content. Right. That no one is interested in. Yeah. <laughs> super Friends. 1970s Super Friends. So just uh, stay tuned, folks. We'll have our uh, our intro game here where we, you know, cast uh, the, uh, the Legion of Doom and the Justice League. <laughs> 
It's not the worst idea. I know. I, I don't. I don't hate that idea actually. <laughs> I kind of like that for resurrecting the uh, crossing the, the crossing the streams. Yeah. So uh, I guess we cut away from the the Legion of Doom to the right Tuscan Raider TP, mm-hmm. where Anakin is rescuing his mom. Anakin again, you know, able to crawl into the middle of the village, cut open a hole with his sword as bright as the uh, mid-morning sun, <laughs> and no one's the wiser. <laughs> yeah, those little guard dogs they have are useless. Yeah. I don't know if this is interesting enough to leave in, but so Anakin, so his mom starts to say I love you and dies, mm-hmm. and it kind of strikes me here that, like, as a character... And maybe this is trying to make Anakin more sympathetic than he deserves to be in this movie. But as a character, he's not actually gotten to hear anyone say I love you until later. Yeah. Like when Padme finally says it. Because earlier in the movie, he says he tells Obi-Wan he loves him before they go into the nightclub. Mm-hmm. And obviously he has a sort of what he believes to be unrequited love from from Padme. And now his mom like doesn't even get to finish the sentence before she dies. Yeah. In, in quite horrific fashion, might I add. Yeah, I. Yeah, I mean, the implications of her slavery are one thing, and then this whole kidnapping, the way she is tied up in here, does not spell anything. You know, PG thirteen or PG or whatever this movie is. This kind of led me to another question. Like, what do you think? Are some people just like you know people in uh like in Tatooine who just gave up? Just like, oh, just gonna cover myself in the old robes here and start pillaging <laughs> the what, actual what, people. Yeah. What, what, what do you think? I know there's probably an actual answer for this, but I'm just, I'm curious. I like that idea. I just always assumed, I mean, I'm pretty sure the canon answer is they're their own species, Yeah. but I think your idea is more fun. There's also, they're like the, what are the people on Dune? Like the natives uh, to Arrakis, the Freeman Freeman. Freeman? The Freeman. Is it pronounced Freeman? 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 It's it's like one of those book things where you never hear it pronounced, so you just have your own, like, in your head pronunciation for it. Maesters? Yeah. Well, I know who are not Freeman, and that's Shmi Skywalker and a lot of people <laughs> at Tatooine. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, they, they kind of remind me of the Freeman in, in Dune, that they have, like, the suits that cover up their whole skin and, mm. and live in the desert. So maybe one of them will evolve into a giant worm. <laughs> Any day now. So one thing I hadn't noticed actually until now, um, just before Anakin gets going here, you get some uh, some shots of uh, some sand people kiddos walking around, and I think some some women's or at least one kiddo. Yeah, I think that the movie would have been best if it never confirmed what actually happened. In the Sand People Village. I'd agree. I'd completely agree. Like, if it just ended here, and we knew he engaged in some violence, and we had the suggestion that you're giving us that kids may have been involved, but we never knew for sure. Yeah. I think that would have made the movie make a lot more sense. As we'll see here in a second. But, yeah, for reasons we'll see here in a second. Partially. Yeah, I mean, so we can go ahead, and I know it, it skips ahead, but I don't... I'm fine doing that to that scene where he divulges this to, to Padme. Yeah, she is. She is very cool with that. Yeah. <laughs> right? A wee bit too cool with yeah. the uh, child murder. Yeah. 
she's uh she's trying to get you know up the creepy game anakin's been been creepy up to the whole this this whole point and <laughs> she's like okay well I'm, I'm cool with this i'm fine yeah i don't see how anyone writing this screenplay thinks these two characters can remain sympathetic after this moment yeah i mean they go straight from like star-crossed lovers to leopold and Loeb. <laughs> I mean, it's something I guess I just didn't really process originally upon seeing the movie, but now it's just cringy. I mean, it's all action afterwards, so you know it kind of pushes that out of your mind as as quickly as it comes. That's true, but but it's it's just like I can't think that this is a thing that like I can't imagine still being attracted to someone once he tells you this. Yeah. And the movie never justifies that for us in any kind of way. Like, I get he can cut pears that float in space. That's pretty neat. But the other side of the ledger is murdered kids. Do you think it's she's she's maybe just too afraid at this point to, to do anything? It's like, oh, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm clearly next here. Like, maybe this is kind of a, one of those situations where you're, I guess, too, too frightened of what might happen if you, you know, give any indication that, you know, you're displeased with this person's actions who could easily choke you to death, <laughs> force choke you to death. Sure. So while that's all been going on, right, Obi-Wan has sent Anakin a message that he's supposed to relay to the to the Jedi Order. Yeah, he's having some trouble. You know, he's tried turning it off and back on again. <laughs> His, uh... He also turned the gain to 11. Yes. <laughs> The techno union guy is like under the hood of the car, like shrugging his shoulders. <laughs> I feel like um, Obi Wan just picked his uh, his astromech droid because it was just it matched his ship, not because it you know was particularly useful in whatever situation he needed it in. Padme and, and Anakin Jack three PO and and head to Geonosis to do some saving. Right. I like how Obi Wan when he's messaging Anakin, he just he uses like oh, it's Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> it's how how many Obi Wans do you think Anakin knows? Right, <laughs> it's not Ben Kenobi. No, I didn't spend eight years in the Jedi Academy to be called Ben. Thank you very much. That's Obi Wan to you. It's Doctor Kenobi. Yeah. <laughs> oh, one more thing before we leave Tatooine, I guess. Um, do we do the funeral scene real? Do you think Luke knew like his his grandmother was buried just outside their house? Oh, in like the pet cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> and there's also some other headstones there. I'm wondering how many uh, wives, quote unquote, old man Mars <laughs> oh, went to. Gosh. He's like Craster from Game of yeah. Thrones. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not really ready to rule anything out at this point. <laughs> no. No, this is a dark place. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, just some more disturbing thoughts I had on on that before we before we leave Tatooine here. Yeah. So uh Jojo's passing the Patriot Act in yeah. the Senate. Is 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 I guess does Jojo just have Padme's like proxy at this point? Or is is that is that we that never isn't really confirmed one way or the other. I know we we theorize that he may be a like a representative from the, the Gungans or something like that. Yeah, I mean I'm sure this is something we could very easily look up. And typically don't, but I don't know. We talked about some of the last one. I don't know. He, 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 this is what happens when, like, I guess the uh, like the non-voting member suddenly gets power. To you, uh, mm. <laughs> drunk on on 
on Power Now. Yeah. Over on Geonosis, right, we've had Obi-Wan getting sort of interrogated in a very, like, James Bond locked against the table kind of room. Yeah, I, I thought about that. Dooku is very James Bond villain. I mean, mm-hmm. well, I mean, in fact, Christopher Lee was, but that's beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Dooku has a third nipple. That's, that's the real question. <laughs> I wonder if uh, one of those Geonosians can take his hat off and, like, decapitate a statue with it. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure Poggle the Greater probably could, but Poggle the Lesser, I'm not so sure about that. Padme and Anakin are stumbling in on the droid factory that has the world's longest assembly line. Yes. <laughs> Henry Ford will be proud. It kind of reminds me, Chris, of the child labor mines in Temple of Doom. Oh, nice. I like that. They have those sort of like uh, cars, kind of those, what do you call those cars? Like mine carts. Yeah. Mine car- what do you call those cars in a mine? Yeah. They have those mine cars kind of moving around and the fire. And yeah. It, it kind of reminded me, um, I guess, further in here, like of uh, like modern times. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was exactly thinking the same thing. I was going to ask. I think this has to be like an homage to that Chaplin movie, Modern Times, right? Mm-hmm. I'd hope so. That's <laughs> <laughs> the only excuse for having this scene. Yeah. That's a great movie. Wish I could say the same. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. I was I was laying through. I guess you know a few a few things a few questions I have about this assembly line scene, Chris. Uh, So there's a scene where R2D2 and 3PO are up against a door that goes to like nowhere. Remember this? Was this after uh, after Padme and fall out of the same doorway? Yes. So then R2 and 3PO get to the door. And R2 just pushes 3PO right out of the door? Yeah, essentially. Because <laughs> 3PO stops, he's like, oh, I almost slipped. And then R2 just, like, pushes him out intentionally. Yeah. And 3PO happens to be caught by a flying droid. But was R2's plan just for 3PO to fall to his death? I had the same thought, because he, he doesn't get him on the first the first couple pushes. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure here. I don't know if R2's like, well, no one's looking. No one will ask too many <laughs> questions about a uh, about this lost bumbling idiot. It's uh, Woody like driving the RC car into Buzz. Yeah. <laughs> it's like no, we came back to Tatooine. I thought I was rid of you. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I can't spend. I can't spend the the next oh seven films. <laughs> this guy. I don't. Know, you got anything else about this assembly line? Oh yeah, I completely forgot. Anakin he almost loses his right arm like more than once in this movie. <laughs> oh yeah, some. A uh, hand loss foreshadowing going on here. Yeah, like it's uh, stamped nicely there. I, I almost, I completely forgot his lightsaber gets uh, gets destroyed too in this whole sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a bad movie for lightsabers. Yeah, yeah, not a good look. And uh, I thought it was a little funny when they pan past Lucille Ball eating all those chocolates <laughs> off the conveyor belt. <laughs> the the I guess arguably I guess the. Uh, the most classic of assembly line scenes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry, Charlie Chaplin. Where are you taking this? Ultimate power in the universe. Where are you taking this? Sad devotion to that ancient religion. Where are you taking this thing? 
Yeah, so they're unfortunately both caught after the lightsabers destroyed. And Anakin and Padme are taken to the gladiatorial arena. And you mentioned that Count Dooku is very Bond villain. Yes. I feel like... Here's another great example. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is like Dr. Evil, why don't you just shoot Austin <laughs> yes. Powers level yeah. of like complexity yeah i I had the the exact same thought of just like a like Django saying like i have a gun i go get them (laughs) we can shoot them both but you know in predictable fashion right instead of just having one animal to kill all three of them having three separate animals only allows for further mayhem yes luckily all that practice anakin got surfing those cows on naboo comes in handy (laughs) In a scene you never expected to pay off. Yeah, I know, right? He can surf that kind of funky rhino, right? Padme is battling that kind of tiger, and Obi-Wan's fighting that praying mantis crab with a a spear. Yeah. I gotta say, too, just rookie mistake on the Genosians part for not taking away uh, Padme's utility belt before before getting started here. (laughs) Yeah, she's going going full um, Harry Houdini on those cuffs. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you think of all the people Django Fett would respect a utility belt. Yeah, enough to enough to see that it you know gets removed. So uh, luckily, right, all the the Jedi appear with Mace Windu, and then things go bad again, and then all the clones show up with Yoda. I really wanted Yoda to be uh, Robert Duvall, and uh, <laughs> uh, you want to like fly to the Valkyries? I really just wanted him to s- just do the speech again, like after they're done, like. The smell of napalm in the morning. Love it, I do. <laughs> Victory smells like. <laughs> Poggle don't serve. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this is, I mean, just a lot of fun action scenes in this part of the movie. Maybe we get our, you know, our first real, like, it's really our only kind of uh, mass ensemble Jedi fight here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lot of fun to watch. It's a lot of fun to watch once the clones kind of swoop in with their landing craft. It's a lot of fun once it devolves into like more of like a land battle. Mm. I love the the landers. I love those Republic like gunships with the two wheels. Yeah, we're lucky. Um, Sifo D has sprung for the executive clone package that included all the ships and vehicles and stuff like that. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> I don't Those th- things with the wheels that launch the the artilleries are awesome. Yeah. I love how the droids have those walking eye things from the Johnny Quest intro. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at this walking eye. It's filthy. So here, here's a question. Do you think the other Jedi are maybe a little resentful that, like, the boss gets his own lightsaber color? Thinking of Mace Windu here. Here's another thing where I'm sure there's a canon answer, and I'm glad I don't know it. Because it's more fun to speculate. Yeah, do you think, like, did he, like, patent it and now no one else is allowed to? <laughs> the, the, uh, the royalties he's asking for are ridiculous. So, uh, <laughs> like, standard Jedi stipend doesn't cover that. So, yeah, it's it's green or blue, really, unless you want to come out of pocket for the purple. Yeah, maybe he's just, like, the only one bad at, badass enough. Is it that he's the only one that can, like, create it? Like, it requires some extra work? Or he's just the only one who can pull it off? I mean, the, the answer is he's the only one who can pull it off, in Sam Jackson's case. But um, I, I've I've heard some stuff I, that I think may have been canon at one point that probably isn't anymore. But, yeah, I'm, I just, 
it's just one of those things that I'm very accepting of it. I'm, you know, I think it's cool that only he got it. And it's, it's not really that distracting at the end of the day. It's just kind of something like, oh, he's got a purple lightsaber. That's cool. I do think it's the most like Jules Winfield occasion. Yes. Of Mace Windu that we get, which I'm always down for. Speaking of, uh, you probably knew this, but I think, uh, I want to say that, um, like on the actual, like, like, like kilt that he got and would like use it in, like in, in the filming, I think it said like bad motherfucker on it or, or BM, BMF <laughs> or something like that. I always heard that. And I, I just, I, I refuse to believe that wasn't not the case. So oh, it has to be true. Yeah. There's also $5,000 in it. <laughs> Jules, you give that fucking Nimrod $1,500 and I'll shoot him on general principle. He has Django there, right? And yeah. uh, tells Django he's trying real hard <laughs> to be the shepherd. <laughs> but unfortunately, he he's the tyranny of evil men to Django Fett. Yeah. I love when Django does the old die for the lightsaber just as it's pulled out of reach and then just gets trampled <laughs> by that. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever that giant three-horned thing is. I know. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what damages his jetpack. Yeah, it's his shiny new jetpack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can't. He cannot hold on to these things. No. Now, do you think that's his backup jetpack, or do you think that's like you know he got an upgrade? He had like you know had like the extended warranty in the previous one, and you know got a new one there. Oh, he's got a <laughs> Superman closet full of them. <laughs> or he's got a he's got a Lando cape closet full of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I want to see that room on the Slave One. It's just full of full of backpacks. I'm a rock. So in that brief second when Django like got rolled over and like his jetpack started shorting out, mm-hmm. like I, I remember, I remember, I remembered like I originally thought that he was gonna, you know, meet his end kind of like uh, Timothy Dalton at the end of the Rocketeer, you know, kind of like a oh yeah like, takes off and it just explodes, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I thought that would have been kind of a funny end for for old Django there. Yeah, I'd have loved that for the gum to come off. <laughs> yeah. Just blow up. Hey, hey, they want a wonga. They want a wonga. They want a wonga. They want a wonga. Let go. Yeah, so now we get to the, the lightsaber fights, uh, which are things I'm never going to complain about in a movie. Count Dooku's really got a spring for like the uh, the better parking spot. Can't really just be riding like half a mile on your... Your little Vespa there. <laughs> yeah, so Count Dooku gets the plans to the Death Star from uh, one of the Geonosians. Yeah, and then he's like, oh, I'll, I'll leave immediately, 20-minute drive later. Yeah. <laughs> he really doesn't anyone scratching his, uh, his solar ship there. That paint job's a bitch to repair. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is. <laughs> he doesn't want to park next to like you know or any like bounty hunter or obi-wan yeah. can just go like ding it with your door <laughs> you get a tear on the sail and it's done more yeah they don't make these anymore yeah i like how when they're following dooku obi-wan says that he needs anakin's help because he wouldn't be able to take him alone i thought that was like a cool you know, confession from Obi-Wan mm-hmm. that then does kind of pay off that all during the Obi-Wan Dooku fight, it does kind of feel like Obi-Wan is just not able to to hold his own against him. I guess going back to earlier about, you know, Anakin's various complaints about, you know, Obi-Wan just kind of 
just taking him for granted or, you know, just maybe, maybe not admitting, you know, how, how essential he is in some situations or, you know, mm-hmm. how, like, not admitting that he actually needs him. I guess, like, the two things I really remember about watching the scene when this movie first came out is first, the scene where Dooku shoots the lightning and Obi-Wan sucks it in with his lightsaber. I remember just thinking, like, wow, why did Obi-Wan not tell Luke about that? (laughs) Would have been really useful in Return of the Jedi. And then the second thing is I think that when Yoda came in, and then when he pulled out his lightsaber, it was probably the loudest and most excited I've ever heard a movie theater. I'd agree with that. I guess it leaked or, you know, it was, it was not, I think, uh, like before going into the movie that, you know, like we were going to see Yoda get down to business in this one. And it was kind of in the, in the back of my mind, I guess, all through my initial watch of it. Yeah. I think that made people even more excited once he like appeared on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember just, I think you just see like the, his, his shadow at first. And then, yeah, I remember just the theater going, going nuts at that point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so Yoda's battling Dooku, but has to protect Obi-Wan and Anakin, and that's what lets Dooku get away in his, apparently, sail ship. I like that uh, Dooku, like, has his uh, has his little robot chauffeur. Like he, yeah. <laughs> like, he's, like, I, I'm, I'm, drive? What, 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 do you, what do you think this is? Oh, yeah, that's the odd job. Not, gen- uh, not the Genosians, yeah, that old droid... Droid chauffeur is yeah. odd job. <laughs> I like I like to think that Dooku doesn't even know how to how to fly the ship. Like if Obi Wan had just you know like 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 cut that droid in half at the beginning, <laughs> you, you wouldn't have had anywhere to go. So then yeah, the movie wraps up with uh, Dooku reports to a hooded Darth Sidious. Yoda, Mace, and Obi Wan chat about the threat of the Sith, and Anakin marries Padme in secret. Yep. Dooku escapes in his very inconspicuous ship to the most populated planet in the galaxy. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Any thoughts about these, these last scenes? Nothing really. Robot hands have come a long way between uh, episodes two and five. Yeah. That is quite a, a robo hand Anakin has in that wedding scene. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think the the guy who marries Anakin and Padme, is he, like, sworn to secrecy? Does Anakin kill him? What happens to that guy? Mm, I mean, surely he's sworn to secrecy. I'm, yeah, Anakin probably does kill him. <laughs> yeah. Not really, but... Uh, yeah, I'm sure he's, he's, like, he's sworn to secrecy or something along those lines. Here's a question for you, right? So, we later find out in episode three... Like, Palpatine seems pretty hip to Anakin's and Padme's relationship. Mm-hmm. Palpatine's, like, from Naboo, right? Like, he's the former senator there? Yeah. What if the, the priest is, like, uh, you know, infor- like spills the beans to Palpatine? Oh, I like that. Yeah, everything gets back to Palpatine, especially from Naboo. I could see that. Mm-hmm. The priest is a double agent. Mm. Yeah, I, that's... I. I totally buy that. It has been decreed. <laughs> yeah, it's, I just wanted. Yeah, I really like the uh, oh the final like clone shots here. Palpatine or Palpatine on his uh, Reichstag balcony, kind of mm-hmm. overlooking some neat shots there that you know 
like a kind of, kind of like a scale you don't really get to see you know much again in the, the rest of the movies yeah a very menacing way to end this movie mm-hmm. and we're just getting a kind of full blast from the music at this point in time too mm-hmm. so here's a few questions before we sign off on this episode darth sidious tells dooku that everything has gone according to plan and in our last episode, we kind of speculated that the initial plan was to kill Padme early. Mm-hmm. So how do you think things play out if he had succeeded with that? If, say, Padme had gotten exploded on that ship? Hmm. I mean, probably, I guess in a similar fashion, I'm guessing Jar Jar would probably be in the same situation he was from like a, you know, voting the on the army kind of issue, which I, I think was the chief reason for wanting to get rid of Padme. Is that right? Yeah. She was the- well, I think it could. Yeah, that's a good point. So it, it and we were speculating that it gives you an excuse to say like, oh, the separatist threat is really serious. They're murdering people. Mm. And then also it, it, you know, maybe you get to make the same play to Jar Jar that, oh, in, in honor of, you know, wouldn't you want revenge on on the Naboo senators being killed. Yeah. Maybe it puts a Jar Jar back in that place. That's a really good point. I was kind of thinking maybe Palpatine has it set up such that Jango would get caught mm. and that would have led them to El Camino. They've got to discover the clone army somehow. Yeah. You have to have some kind of discovery plan there. They can't just show up out of the blue unless he's trying to pass off. Oh, I can just, I can just go buy off-the-shelf clones. It's not no big deal. <laughs> yeah, these guys are really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think the plan is, like you say, you use the thing, you use Padme's death to guilt Jar Jar into doing the emergency powers. You arrest Jango for, the, for his role in the conspiracy, and he gets you back to, to El Camino. We just kind of danced around this last episode and didn't really mention it much on this one. What do you think about, like, the Obi-Wan-Anakin relationship in this movie? I mean, overall, it seems very um, father, sort of rebellious teenage son kind of thing. I guess that's my overall take on it. Does it work for you or not? Yeah, I, I think it does. I mean, it's it, it establishes their working relationship they've had over the past 10 years that we don't get to see on you know on the screen. It helps to establish the... You know, the qualities that we see in Anakin that, you know, eventually lead him down the the path that he ends up. At least at least in that aspect, I think that's set up well. I think the scenes where they're together work for me. Mm-hmm. You know, the kind of banter I, I think is kind of fun. I mean, some of the lines are a little weird. Like during that car chase, car chase scene, when everyone says, if, if you spend as much time practicing your saber, as, saber skills as your wit, yeah. you'd rival Master Yoda as a swordsman. Yeah. He's practicing his wit. <laughs> like, what is that? He's like in his room working on a tight five. Yeah. <laughs> mm, I want to see like a like a marvelous Mrs. Maisel with Anakin trying to do stand up and corset, something like that. I'd have loved for it to cut to Yoda at that moment who just says, while you were practicing your wit, I studied the blade. <laughs> So, yeah, their scenes together, you know, I, I like most of them, even when they're a little weird. When they're apart and Anakin talks about Obi-Wan, those never work for me. Yeah, yeah, it, it, I do agree with that. It's, they're, they're the best when they're together. I guess, I guess we gotta, gotta rate the movie, right? Hmm, that's true. On a scale from 
zero or one stars up to I Love DVD. Worst Cosmic Wars ever. Academy Award for best movie ever made. I'm afraid this gets my lowest rating ever. Seven thumbs up. If you're a new listener and don't know what that means, you have to go back and listen to our our Ewok episode. (laughs) I'm going to need half a second. Go, Go ahead. I guess... I mean, so I think I gave Phantom Menace three stars out of, I guess, I Love DVD is kind of like five. And, I mean, part of me wants to say this should be like two or two and a half. But like I said then, I, I just end up being a real softy when it comes to this kind of stuff. And I like to give credit for things that I like more than take away credit for things that I don't. And as as dumb as some of the stuff is in this movie, and it, and it really is, the car chase, the fight in the rain, that submarine fight scene we talked about, the whole battle on Geonosis, the lightsaber duels at the end, you don't get much better sci-fi action, like just in general, from movies. Like not just in Star Wars, but these are just great sci-fi action scenes. And those carry the day for me, so I guess I'll give this one three stars as well. Yeah, why is it, do you think, that the, do you think it's kind of a, more of a, like a peaks and valleys thing, like, is or is, is the cringy stuff here so cringy that it's, it's hard to forget, versus like, oh, like other, maybe equally criticized movies, like um, episode eight? Well, I, I don't think... I mean, I think episode eight is great, and this really isn't. I don't think they're even, like... I don't even know how that comparison is supposed to work. I mean, there's there's parts of eight I think we both agree are, you know, not that great. I don't think there's a single part of it that's just bad. And I don't know. I, I'll save that till when we do a rewatch on eight. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think the Peaks and Valleys thing is right. When this movie's bad, it's, it's really bad. Mm-hmm. And I guess it just kind of depends on, like, your how you are as a viewer. I'm fine with anyone who says it's so bad it kind of ruins it for me, and I don't enjoy watching that. Like, I'm not going to argue with anyone who has that take on episode two. Yeah, just a thought I had about that. Yeah. Um, I agree with you on your points. Um, is this your, would you say this is your least favorite Star Wars movie? If that even is a thing. Where we're, we're concerned. I think there's a part of me that I'm fine saying it's the worst, but I don't think it's my least favorite. I think I'm. You, when you say worst, you mean from like an like an objective, like cinematic standpoint, right? If you ask Roger Ebert what's the worst one, yeah. I expect him to to say Attack of the Clones. But for my money. If you just said, like, hey, do you want to watch Attack of the Clones or Solo? I think I'm going to say Attack of the Clones. Interesting. Okay. Um, And that's not to say Solo isn't a better movie. It is. But I think the highs of Attack of the Clones are really cool. I think you've sold me. I I agree this. I think think this maybe even has a little bit more going on than Episode 1. I think I'd give it three stars as well. Obviously, there's things that I wish had been different. If I had been, like, you know, consulted on a rewrite, 
I would have liked a little more meat on Obi-Wan tracking down Jango to Naboo. Mm-hmm. Like some more sort of clutter sleuthing than just visiting like kindergarten Copyota. <laughs> Obviously, we would all just cut Naboo out completely and instead invest that time into, say, Anakin and Padme going straight to Tatooine and having to spend a lot of time looking for Shmi. Mm. So maybe they're together on that whole John Wayne the Searcher's plot, and they're out looking for Shmi together and fall in love while doing that, as opposed to fall in love while doing nothing on Naboo. And I think that, you know, just those two changes, and I think you'd have, like, a really, really tight movie. But, I mean, it's easy to sit around after the fact and say that. Yeah. Those are, I think, the most improvable parts of it. I'll say that. (laughs) Well, Chris, uh, of course we can't end tonight's episode without figuring out the most conspicuous character or, or something like a character in what we've watched. Do you have a recipient for the fur jacket? I do. I live for furs. I worship furs. Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives it? Oh, please, won't you see my vest? I'm a little worried about this one because I'm, I'm wondering if we picked the same person or not. But especially, I think I think you originally maybe told me about this person um, way back when. But in the uh, in kind of the pit fight there in Geonosis, there's a guy in the background, like a Jedi, just killing it with two lightsabers <laughs> yeah so yeah I, I can't watch that scene though and he's, he's in several shots i can't watch the, this without just trying to find him like in every single shot and he's back there and he's just he's getting it constantly he went for the variety pack too so he's got a, a blue one and a green one <laughs> i'm sure he has a name but he's just two lightsaber guy as far as i'm concerned I know exactly the guy you're talking about. That's a lot of fun. Did, did you tell me about him originally? I'm trying to... I, it's very possible. I'm a big fan of that guy. There's a lot of conspicuous lightsaber guys in this movie. There's there's him, and then there's... I mean, Mace Windu could could get it for his lightsaber alone. Yeah, that's true. It's both purple and, like, kind of blinged out. Or Dooku has a cool, conspicuous lightsaber. Kind of the curved, one-handed model. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of that. I think that's really cool looking. It's very, like, it, it matches his character. Like, it's very, very elegant. Yeah, gentleman's weapon for a more civilized yes, age. Exactly. That- He's kind of like, gosh, this is super random. He's kind of Zex Marquis from Gundam Wing. Oh, I like that. I like that. So I went maybe a little more obvious. I'm giving it to Anakin Skywalker's robot hand. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that is like, can you imagine if J.J. Abrams had directed that scene, the kind of lens flares we'd get off that shiny robot hand? Uh, everyone in the theater would be blind. Yeah, it's such like a double take. Like, oh, a sweet wedding. Oh, oh. what's that? Yeah, it's uh, like twice the size of a normal human hand. I'm, I'm Like, it's... <laughs> Like, the scale just seems a little... I don't know. It's the size of Carl Weathers's like, uh, wooden hand in Happy Gilmore. Damn alligator bit my hand! Yeah, there's there's clearly not, like, a regular hand under this. No, this is this is just what this is. It kind of just looks looks like, like, a, like a gold Terminator hand a little bit. Just with, like, a... It's a Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... 
it cuts to like Jerry Seinfeld's girlfriend's hand opening the, the beer bottle. <laughs> I like to think that he had the option for like a regular hand. He's like, no, no, I want that one. <laughs> Much like our use of the gain. He was like, give me the bigger <laughs> hand. <laughs> Crank that hand to 11. Yeah, I need something with, you know, enough grip strength to, you know, crush tracheas or whatever he's planning on doing with it. <laughs> That hand is the uh, the jaws of the Bond villains. <laughs> That's true. That is a very henchman hand to have. The man with the golden hand. <laughs> well, on that note, I guess we gotta gotta wrap it up. I'd like to thank Computer Music All-Stars for providing the music we use on this show. I'd like to give a a big thanks to uh, Laura and Alice from Force Toast. Yes, thank y'all. It was very fun talking. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, if we have any, you know, Force Toast listeners uh, who, you know, joined in, uh, thanks for sticking around. I hope you look at the rest of our, our back catalog of episodes. I hope this wasn't too traumatic. (laughs) <laughs> and of course you can email us at we serve droids at gmail.com you can find us on twitter you can call us and leave us a voicemail at chris do you have that number you can call us at 512 we serve that's 512-937-3783 and of course you can give us a uh a nice five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other kind of podcast uh, finder that lets you leave reviews. We definitely appreciate anyone who, you know, takes the, the few seconds to do that. Uh, it, it's, it's helpful for us. Well, anything we left out? I think that was it. All right. I'll talk to you next month. Sounds good, Scott. Talk to you then. We packed Slave One last night, pre-flight, zero hour, bounty hunt, and I think I'm gonna fly over Coruscant. I miss the ground so much I miss my clone It's lonely on jetpack But it's the way I fly And attack And I think it's gonna be a long way back When you fly around on your jetpack I'm not the fed, they think I am at home Oh no, no, no I'm a rocket vet Rocket vet Have a bazooka on my back Think it's gonna be a long, long time For my decapitated head to find It's not connected to my neck no more Oh no, no, no 
I'm a headless fat Headless fat Casualty of a clone Geonosis ain't the place you want to die In fact, it's hot as hell And there's only one color palette As far as I can tell Who's Sifo-Dyas? I don't understand Darth Tyrannus, he's my man There's a plot hole A big plot hole And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense Financed all of the clone's expense I'm not a fat who cares a bit about that Oh, no, no, no I'm a rocket fat Rocket fat Leaving Boba Fett all alone And I think it's gonna be a sad, sad life Boba growing up with all that strife It doesn't have a dad at home Oh no, no, no He's a tragic fat Tragic fat Emotional baggage to unpack And I think he'll probably die in a sarlacc Yeah, I think he'll probably die in a sarlacc Emotional baggage to unpack And I think he'll die in a sarlacc Yeah, I think he'll probably die in a sarlacc Yeah, I think he'll probably die in a sarlacc.